Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's too lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. So hello, everybody, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy play games as Arkham Horror the Card Game. My name is Dane. I'm Dan. I'm Ben. And today we're going to be continuing our look at the player cards in the upcoming Investigator Starter Packs. So for those who might not have seen last week's episode, we officially started our look on these cards and explained a little bit more about what the products are. Um, so go check that video slash podcast out uh, to see this series first to last. Otherwise, we are, oh god, I, I actually wrote this. We are weak in the knees to talk about this week's weaknesses what? in player cards. Bad. <laughs> Bad. Uh, listeners, would anyone else I like did. to join our podcast and take Dane's place on the podcast? <laughs> we're, we're holding Dane. open auditions right now. Does anyone else want to do Dane's job? <laughs> It trusted you to write this intro. I didn't. Yeah, all, it. All, all you have to do is write less bad puns. That's I, all it takes. I don't know, man. It was like two o'clock in the morning yesterday. Oh, I mean, Harrison's literally in the Disaster. same house. Harrison could just come push you out of the chair, <laughs> sit down in the chair, and just immediately take over. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Whatever. We'll 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 have discussions about this later. But uh, I, yeah, is I this... already forgot what you read in this intro because that. <laughs> That pun Perfect. Was so Great. Uh, uh, we're talking about secret cards. And, we're talking uh, about secret cards and basic weaknesses. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again to FFG for putting out so many cards in such a short amount of time that we have to do like a bonus episode between two other episodes instead of doing <laughs> it for two weeks like we normally do. And th- that's that's like a sincere thank you because I'm very happy to have new cards. But also, come on, come on. Anyway, but also like, what better to have a bonus episode on than the Seeker class, mm, the, the best, <laughs> universally class. known as yeah. like the the card the the like Seeker bullshit, mm. a la Shaper bullshit mm. from uh, Netrunner kind of. A <laughs> oh man, I love that bullshit. Give me more of that bullshit. <laughs> For uh, sure. Should we? Is it time to start talking in detail about specific uh, bullshit cards? Let's yeah, do it. So we're we're gonna save Harvey for like an investigator episode. We're just talking about the cards today, right? We're just talking about the things that come with him. Yeah, we'll talk about all five of the new investigators in a in a future episode. So we're just talking about the new cards. We'll try to go quickly over the ones that are reprints. Let's get started with uh, an asset. Uh, we have an asset called Arcane Enlightenment. It costs two. Uh, it's level zero. It has two willpower icons. It's a ritual, and it says... Your maximum hand size is increased by one. You have one additional hand slot, which can only be used to hold a tome asset. And it takes up a arcane slot. So here we go. Uh, alphabetically, the first asset in, in the pack. What do we think about arcane enlightenment? I'm struggling to understand what the art is. I've been lo- I've been thinking about this since this oh, like, got spoiled. I, I, can, a, I can describe what it is. It's math on a chalkboard. <laughs> Because yeah, what is that background? Because that who, used who? to be my job, kind of. It's like a wallpaper, I think. It's a wallpaper. Who has that kind of wallpaper in like a, a school Math- setting? Mathematicians. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if you, yeah, all of our offices are like that. Actually, is this like a formula that some math mathematician like framed because it was so amazing and important, and he put it up in his house, like over yeah. his like. Uh, That's a normal thing to do. Don't judge us. Come on. <laughs> 
Uh, no, I, I would agree. I, I'm confused about maybe they like, maybe the FFG art people looked at some photos of like classrooms in the 1920s and they looked like this. That would be interesting. So I don't know. Just <laughs> like, like a... in the chat says that it is, he thinks it's a painting that you suddenly understand. Maybe that right. is like a it's, def- it's definitely, it's definitely a chalkboard and you've like written something out. You've suddenly solved the puzzle and now you see, you know, beyond the numbers. Yeah, it's like when they have those shows about mathematicians and they're staring at a blackboard and they have all this stuff flying around their faces to show how smart they are at solving the problem. <laughs> Which is exactly how math yeah. works in real life, by the way. That's a hundred percent accurate. We just don't do it when non-mathematicians are around because it freaks them out. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I mean, this gives you like an invisible math hand, then, right? Like this gives you just a hand to hold like knowledge. It gives you the most dangerous thing possible, which is another way to hold more tomes. That's very <laughs> scary. This uh, this card doesn't do anything. <laughs> well it takes up an arcane slot actually <laughs> yeah that, that, that is, okay that is that is something that it does this card doesn't do anything this is like i looked at this for a long time and i was trying to convince myself like well i mean the, having the two willpower symbols is great but the thing is you still have to have some kind of scenario where you would like to actually play the card otherwise you could pick a different card with two will symbols yeah i don't think i don't think i would ever play this so this yeah. is the kind of thing that it it doesn't do anything itself, but it gives your your deck more capacity to do things. Kind of like um, Dream Enhancing Serum. It's just kind of like sits there, and it's it's kind of no, like no, no, a no, no. Dream Enhancing Serum draws you cards. Does this draw oh, that's you right, cards? That's right. That's right. That's no. <laughs> right. No. It, it doesn't do anything by itself. The intent of this card is to work with other cards in like big hand decks or exactly, like yeah. some type of tome deck if you wanted to do maybe Parallel Daisy or something and have like a million tomes out. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't do anything by itself. I I started. I've been playing the Harvey deck in Return to Forgotten Age, and I keep drawing this and trying to play it, and then be like, why did I waste two money in action playing this? <laughs> if I really, if it was like, if it was like free or even one, or if it was fast, I think it would be worth having a conversation about. As it is, like, yeah, I would play it as part of the Harvey deck as kind of like a, a constructed like theme deck. But if you're trying to make like the best possible optimized secret deck, probably this isn't going to be in it. If you're trying to do like a big hand or your hand is like 15 or 20 or something, then I guess this is part of that. But I don't know. I haven't I've, been too impressed with it so far. I, I think this is going to be a recurring theme as we talk about more of these cards, but the big hand thing is kind of tenuously good enough on its own. I really don't think it rewards you enough to be worth like playing cards like this. But we'll, yeah. I, I mean, I think I would probably play this. Um, somebody chat actually said um, uh, it's going in my Alt Daisy deck. Maybe I'd play this in Daisy as like if if you wanted to have something to upgrade to those allies um, who like let you hold books and and um, what's who's the person Abigail Foreman yep. who like holds a book for you. Maybe this could be kind of like a reasonable if you weren't totally confident on like doing straight like like not straight upgrades to things. This might be a good include so you just don't even really have to think about when you, when you're upgrading to Abigail Foreman like what you're going to take out of your deck. It also doubles as two will, which is kind of fine. That's kind of like it's saving grace, I think, because like if you can't, if you don't find this in your opening hand, you're probably not going to be playing it. I, I think I solved it. You get arcane elements, and then you get books of shadows to give you more arcane slots, and then, <laughs> and then and I, lost, I lost it. I think there's some nonsense you do with this, and like book of shadows and something else that lets you have like uh, an absurd number of arcane enhanced slots. It doesn't actually do anything. Okay, what's what's the what's the arcane? <laughs> what's your date? What's the purple card that like takes up a hand slot but gives you an arcane slot? Oh, sign magic. Just play two of these and two oh. of those, and you have the same number of slots. <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah, sign magic. There you go. 
any anything else to say about Arcane no, Enlightenment or shall let's we? Move on. Okay. Yeah. Next one is uh, how do you how do you pronounce this? Selenio? Selenio? Fragments? Maybe. So the the next card is Selenio Fragments, tentatively. Uh, it is a unique book of books. Uh, it is it costs one to play, level zero, asset, uh, has one intellect icon on it. It is an item and a tome. Hey, we just talked about tomes. While you have five or more cards in hand, you get plus one intellect. While you have ten or more cards in hand, you get plus one will. And you have fifteen or more cards in hand, you get plus one intellect, and it takes up one hand slot. So this is like this provides the most stat boost other than like universal stat boost like like Dark Horse and things like that in the game if you have fifteen or more cards in hand. How <laughs> how realistic is that? If you go hard into the big hand deck, you can get up to it. Um Do you guys do you guys know what's a really, really good card? Magnifying glass. It is <laughs> that is true. So so it's here's a large advocate. <laughs> A card like this has to do a lot in order to be worth playing. One one cost is actually pretty good because we're, we're we're already kind of remembering magnifying glass. Um, well, you have five cards in hand. That's that's pretty like easy to do when you're you draw your opening hand. You've got five. Obviously, when you play this, you get four, so it immediately turns off. But um, assuming you're playing Harvey and you're like kind of netting positive from like your your lab assistants and things like that, you're gonna like constantly have at least one book, right? So or, or from this anyway. But the question is, is that like, and I think that there's a card or there's an achievement in Terraforming Mars where it's like, um, if you, it's like, if you have like a bunch of cards in hand, you can claim the achievement. And it's like, well, everybody knows this it's terrible because then you're just not laying your cards. Mm-hmm. You know, like achievement, Dane. Yeah. <laughs> is there an achievement on a corner of the card game for having like your entire deck in your hand? Or something <laughs> that you haven't told me about. I mean, but there's so that's all you can these right? <laughs> Because, like, if you have 15 or more cards in hand, what are you doing with them? You have to have, like, yeah. you have to, like, be cycling them constantly so that, like, you're you're always netting cards in your hand and, like, kind of maintaining a status quo for this thing to be, like, really good. If it did something else, like, active, maybe, it, it might be reasonable. Like, even if it just, like, replaced itself when you when you put it down, it might be even even more worth considering. As it is, it might be fine, like, if you have a huge cards, card uh, deck, but, or a hand, rather, but who knows? We're gonna see with a lot of these cards that they like synergize off of the big hand because that's that's what Harvey's doing. So yeah, uh, like a lot of them are gonna be like, "Are you trying to do big hand? If so, eh, you give it a try. If you're not, eh, I, this is kind of eh, if you're not really doing the big hand." I just keep I look at this and I imagine what if like imagine if they reprinted Magnifying Glass and it said. Magnifying glass. While you have zero or more cards in hand, you get plus one intellect. While you have ten or more cards in hand, congratulations, you have ten cards. You should probably play some of them or commit some of them. <laughs> While you have fifteen or more cards in hand, congratulations, you have a lot of cards. You should probably play or commit some of them. Like that—that's th- the card that I would like to play in in my decks. But you know, I, I also keep in mind that this is unique. So like magnifying glass, if you find two, you can play two. Oh, that's true. Maybe that's yeah. an argument for playing like one of these and one magnifying glass, and it you know is kind of like a compromise but there's also i think really it reminds me of the hawkeye folding camera where it's a fun cool card in a certain type of deck and i could understand wanting to play it but mm. probably it's not as good as magnifying glass like overall if you're trying to make like the most optimized deck possible i mean that's the most like fair assessment of it because like i think that it can be fine like if, it, if it's getting you one will one book that's pretty solid like i'm not going to complain about it taking up a hand slot only costing me one to win in an action to play you know 
Yeah, it's, it's not it's not terrible. It's just that there happens to be a very similar card from the core set that is like both. <laughs> and keep in mind, magnifying glass is just uh, plus one intellect to investigations, which granted that's, that's true. A lot of your uses for intellect, but it, yeah, uh, but if you're using like I've got a plan or, or other things like that, or just like raw tests, this this will help you out where magnifying glass might not. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to this card. Yeah, let's do it. Um. So next up, we have. Uh-oh. Uh disc of <laughs> Itzama? Itzamna. Itzamna. Yeah? Protective Amulet. Alright, whatever. Uh, so it's Protective Amulet. Uh, we've seen the level 2 version of this before, back from uh, the core set, but this is a new level 0 version. Um, it is a cost 3 asset with one willpower icon, item, and a relic. When a non-elite enemy spawns at your location, discard disc of Itzamna. Automatically evade that enemy or deal it 2 damage. Uh, and it takes up the accessory slot. Uh, compared to the original, uh, the original level 2 version has also has an intellect and a combat icon on it, and the effect is uh, discard the disc to discard that enemy. So this one doesn't necessarily get rid of the enemy completely, uh, just helps you deal with it. Is it not only, like, really necessary here? It is. Can I just, like, that it's always necessary to an elite enemy like really that that big of a transgression like can seekers really just not do that this is like something we should put on the list next time we interview like uh jeremy or or mj or somebody is what what goes into the decision of when to say non-elite in front of enemy on a card because like i understand that sometimes they have to have that clause but i'm really curious about what are their criteria for like deciding that you know there's there's an upcoming investigator that does not specifically have non-elite in in her ability and i think that's fantastic (laughs) but but this like so dealing two damage or evading an enemy seems great but i think that this is really going to shine in like in in solo basically only like yeah. if, if you wanted to run run a seeker in solo, this is probably what you need to take to help mitigate as much enemies as possible, and that's probably why they printed it. Honestly, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's too expensive to really be worth thinking about for most decks. But if you're solo, I mean, the bottom line is you need to have a certain number of cards in your deck that can deal with enemies. You probably can't play like weapons and stuff as most seekers unless you're Joe. So you have right. to have you have to you have to settle for cards like this, and you might have to, you know. Yeah, yeah I. Mean, I Adding them with uh, Ellie would be pretty nice. Yeah, I've been using it on uh, in Harvey. Uh, definitely costs a lot, but it helps with the snakes when the snakes come out to help evade them. <laughs> but that uh, is true. Yeah, I like that it gives you the option too. It's just it says a lot. Three resources and a action uh, to evade something in the future. Yeah. Or deal two damage in the future, which two damage in a lot of the later campaigns is not enough to kill a lot of things. That's the thing. Like, I, I think that I've got a plan is probably mostly better than this. Even like a manual dexterity might be kind of better than this, just because it's free. If you're if you have enough high enough base agility to be able to pass with a manual dexterity, so. But you know, I mean, in certain solo decks, uh, maybe if you benefit from relics or items somehow, if you can recur it somehow, there might be reasons. You know. Yeah. I mean, we were never even that impressed with the original upgraded version, just because it had such a high cost. But yeah. Yeah, and the non-elite thing is kind of kind of rough. Time to move on. Yeah, I mean, most stuff has non-elite on it. It's because they yeah. use elite bosses. I don't want you to be able to automatically evade a boss or something. I think or, it. Yeah, I, I think that's why. 
so next up we have a apparently we have a we have a downgraded version of encyclopedia so this is a two cost asset level zero it has one wild icon on it it's an item in a tome uses five secrets that's new action exhaust encyclopedia and spend one secret choose an investigator at your location that investigator gets plus two skill plus two to a skill of your choice until the end of the phase takes up a hand slot so the only difference between the existing level two version and this new level zero version is the xp cost and the new one only has five secrets on it that you use up every time you use it other than that same card um so what what do you guys think about encyclopedia welcome to level zero daisy decks and only (laughs) level zero daisy decks (laughs) yeah i think like like on so on the spectrum of math Right, you've got you got the number five. Yes, please, got please tell me more about the math spectrum. <laughs> and you've got infinity, right? Five is basically yeah. infinity in this context, right? Five, 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 there's, two, there's actually like numbers that are significantly higher and lower than five. <laughs> like I'm not sure why. Okay, never mind. Continue. I feel like five secrets is so many, like it that. Is, that you'll get lot. you'll get a lot of use out of this before, like you're like, darn, wish I had more secrets on my encyclopedia to use it. You know what I mean, like. I, I think it's like, charge it. even even Daisy. Like if you really wanted to worry about recharging it, maybe you play like Enraptured or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But five is a lot. Like even playing level two Encyclopedia on Daisy, I feel like I don't necessarily use it every turn. Um, and it's it's because it's also kind of awkward to use because you can't use it to boost your own agility or fight if you got an enemy on you or whatever because you get attacked. You can you just get hit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Like five is plenty. Plenty. It's like yeah, it seems unlikely I'll use the higher level version again. The uh, the, nice. the question I think we should ask really quick, uh, just sort of checking in with how Daisy's doing. Have you guys played Encyclopedia the the level two version in a Daisy deck recently? Not recently, but I have before. Because um, I I yeah I used to earlier in the game. I think recently I have not because it seems like there's just enough other choices now that it has kind of been outclassed maybe like it, it can still be a pretty good card and especially maybe in solo. But I, I think that it's more of like a, it's, it's no more just kind of like a default good tome that you'd put in your deck. And it's more like you have to have a specific reason to want it. But I, yeah. I agree with Dane that five secrets is a lot. And that in, in a sense, this is like almost as good as the level two version. If you, if you, if you were going to play the level two version, you're probably happy to see this. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'd be happy to not spend two experience and just keep this in my deck and like upgrade. Like when they introduced Old Book of Lore three, I was like, okay, there aren't there are not a lot of other books that I'd want in my hand other than Old Book of Lore three. <laughs> that's and that if I have my Old Book of Lore three, then I'm going to be able to just play other things for free with my Old Book of Lore three. So like, I wouldn't ever like recharge these secrets before I recharge those. Though, though they are secrets, right? On the Old Book of Lore three. Uh, yeah, you start with you two get, secrets. Yeah, I, I would far rather get those and a, a book that we're going to be talking about soon well and there's uh, also we'll, we'll talk about a card later that lets you move secrets around between different cards i forget if it's oh, yeah, um, yeah. i forget if it's in this pack or if it's in like insmith or something but there is a card coming soon that does that so Ooh, very excited for that uh yeah but yeah let's let's move on for now right yeah yeah so next card is welcome back uh esoteric atlas uh now it's level two this is the new one right New one is level two. Uh, it added a will icon onto an agility icon. Uh, it uses four secrets. Um, action, spend one secret. Choose a revealed location up to three connections lo- away from your location. Move to that location. Wow, that's a lot of mobility. That's like the most mobility. Like if you had a straight track and you said, okay, Ursula, 
go. You've got shortcuts and you've got pathfinders. The other person is Daisy and she has these esoteric atlases. None of the locations are revealed. You know who wins? Ursula still, because this can't move to reveal locations. I think the new ancient, uh, the new ancient stone from Return of the Forgotten Age might win might win that contest. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that one. No, but this is really interesting. Like three locations is is kind of a it's it's kind of like a like a rook move, right? You kind of go like you can you can do a lot of weird things with moving three exactly three locations. It is pretty cool, and it and it also like unlike Pathfinder, you can do it even if you're engaged with an enemy. It would just AOO you. Um, yeah, I mean that is a lot of sort of movement power. I mean, again, level one one. This is so much better because level one one required you to move exactly two yeah, locations. That that sucks. Uh, and this one lets you do you know up two to three. Yeah, up to three. Yeah. yeah, which means that this one can, like, for Daisy, it can be, like, basically a Pathfinder, you know? Yeah, um, but only for Daisy. Yeah, I, I the thing that I still keep coming back to, though, is, like, even if you're Daisy, who's, like, the best case for using this, I feel like rather than use up one of your only sort of hand slots for this, I would probably still rather play Pathfinder, and then for my book slots, my, my hand slots, take cards that I can't replicate with, like, non-hand slot items. But, I mean... For some scenarios, being able to move this fast, you know, using your free daisy action would be really, really strong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like like the blob that ate everything. Like, being able to move around that board, like, super fast would be great. Yeah. I would love to play this in, like, well, a... Garden Age, this only applies to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And the, the thing that I always have to keep in mind when we're talking about cards like this that sort of lets you teleport is... Remember, safeguard level two, I think, specifically says when they move to an adjacent location. So I think mm-hmm. that you you can't like follow someone if they teleport with like this or the pendant, which is kind of too bad. Yeah, but I mean, like the, the the other notable thing, the difference here between level one and level two, is that uh, the first the level one exhausts itself. So if you really needed to like just bum rush across a map or something like that, you can do that in one turn. With this it's kind of nice. That is true. Yeah. Uh, any anything else uh, to talk about, or should we move on? So the next card is Farsight, which features a bird on it. Uh, it Uh-oh. is <laughs> level four, uh, cost two asset uh, with a willpower and a wild icon on it. It is a ritual, uh, free trigger during your turn. If you have eight or more cards in your hand, exhaust Farsight. Play an event from your hand, paying its cost. Uh, and it is an arcane slot. It also has some type of math quote on it, not a bird quote. Maybe this bird <laughs> has math. I'm pretty sure that's actually just some of the flavor text that you can decode in Fez, if I remember correctly. <laughs> did, this, did this bird just like suddenly learn a tremendous amount of math and like now 100% of its brain is firing or something like that kind of like Bradley Cooper in that one movie there are actually (laughs) birds have made a lot of important contributions to math over the years octagons actually were discovered by uh, by a bald eagle it's most people don't know that but uh yeah birds birds probably the second most mathematically talented species on the planet after humans (laughs) is is the generally accepted view um Uh, I, I really wish this was a permanent that would be nuts. This this kind of is a build around me, right? This feels like a build around me card. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of goes along with all the other big hand stuff, right? Yeah, yeah this is one that might actually pay off, though, right? <laughs> um, I kind of, I mean, yeah. I, I, I kind of just feel like I'm talking about like three or four player, like dedicated specialized secret decks. But if you're consistently spending actions to play events, what are you doing as a seeker? 
Like the the thing the <laughs> thing that makes the modern secret decks so ridiculously good is that they get all of their money in cards and move without spending any actions. And the only <laughs> thing that they need to spend actions on basically is like investigating. And they yeah. do that extremely well. Right? Like like you're kind of already if you look at like the really super good Mandy deck, it already it has like four assets that it needs to play once per game. And then it has like each time you cycle your deck, which you do like five times, you play like one triple easy mark. And that's like the one action that you spend to play a card. So not really enough to make it worth having this, I think. I don't know. I mean, I, it would be cool. Like, if you make a really event-heavy secret deck, this could really make it feel really fast and powerful. I, I think that's kind of what you have to do. You kind of have to, like, get into the mindset of being a little slower in terms of, like, because you need to build up, a, like, a big, really big hand size. Captain Farnies does. <laughs> Are there any secret events that aren't fast? Right, yeah. I mean, Because like, what happens, like, I do, so, so you draw your opening hand, five cards, you play this, you play Shortcut, you play Working a Hunch, now you've got two cards in your hand. You, you've still got a whole bunch of actions, but like, <laughs> like where, how many of those do you drop for other cards that aren't fast? Like, like I've got a plan, for example, is the one big event, like Logical Reasoning is another big event that I would play like in a secret deck that would, that I'd be really happy playing fast um, with this. Yeah, but like, that's true. Other things like if if I mean if you're doing like like Mandy and, and you have like Intel reports in your hand or something like that like like you can kind of try and think about doing that too. Um, well, like oh, what you said, um, easy mark, right? If you play one easy mark off this fast, all the other ones come with it, right? It's kind of neat. Yeah, but so then then you're getting three easy marks for zero actions instead of one action. Like you're, it's kind of gravy. You're already getting a great deal out of that. That's true. Um, I do wonder. So I mean, yeah, you could build a deck around like. Imagine if you were playing a lot of those kind of expensive-ish clue-getting events, like what are the ones like Connect the Dots and Decipher Reality and stuff. Like, There's all those Seeker events that don't really see a whole lot of play that are like mm-hmm. get two clues at a location four spaces away where there's an enemy or something. You could try to do that, and that would be an interesting take on a Seeker deck. Mm. I think a good point here, though, is that like this also ha- helps you like avoid AOOs. If you're in like a dire need of, of doing so, like you can play things like, um, I mean, like seeking answers or, or like things that, you know, you might not necessarily need like get to otherwise, but, I, but, but, but I think most of the things that you would play if you have an enemy on you were like, I've got a plan that don't provoke anyway. Oh, you know, what would be cool with this is a uh, blood, right? from occult lexicon like if you oh, had yeah. if you had occult lexicon in your deck and you're like cycling through your deck and you want to play blood rights that would be kind of a fun way to use this yeah i mean even even cards like um <laughs> there's a card that that i haven't even thought of in my deck that um uh just smoke bomb it linked linked in, in chat here um guidance is a card that i would never think to put in a secret deck mainly just because it's like Seeker actions are so much more valuable than than pretty much any other class. Like if Guardians had Guidance, I probably might play one in some decks because you, giving Seekers more opportunities to get clues is great. But playing Guidance means that you're not you're not getting a clue or you're moving or doing something that you need to be doing. But like this, if you have it in your deck, it's kind of like gravy because if you have more than eight cards, you just give somebody a free action on their turn. Could be pretty nice. Yeah, it's it's a cool card. I wish the the threshold for being able to use it was a little bit lower than eight. But it's it's interesting enough that I would like to see a cool deck using it someday. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next card. Which is Feed the Minds. 
so we already had a level 3 version of this. Now we have a level 0 version. Uh, it's an asset, cost 3. It has one intellect icon on it. And it says, uh, uses 3 secrets. Uh, action, exhaust, feed the mind, and spend 1 secret. Test intellect 1. For each point you succeed by, to a maximum of 3, draw 1 card. And it takes up your arcane slots. Uh, what do you guys think about level zero feed the mind? It's kind of necessary. I mean, like in, in this is this is kind of how you're going to be drawing your cards, right? Like if if other than like lab assistance and like maybe um, sorry, I don't know. Eventually, sorry, I'm going to be spending real actions to draw cards. That's, that's the thing. I mean, I I want to get to that, but like the value that you get out of this. Um, even if you do one action, draw three cards, that's great. Um, but it's still $3, I think you, or, or three uh, resources. I think you have to do this exactly three times and be needing all nine cards for it to actually get the value of that would take like one action, three resources, or no, four actions, three resources for nine cards. Seems like okay. But like anything else, it's kind of like you're playing this because you, you don't have other cards that are available to you. Like, um, I never remember the name. Uh, draw three cards fast. Cryptic research, yeah. Because yeah. at that point, if it's, it's like, like if it's like four actions, three resources, draw nine. That's assuming that you don't like draw a bad token on one of them and draw fewer. That's like right. sort of on par with like um, preposterous sketches, where it's like a decent card but not exactly great. Yeah, I think I think like I remember being very excited about Feed the Mind level level three when it came out. All of us were we were pretty excited because it's like you could just refill your whole hand two resources two actions and you just like draw seven maybe you take a horror or two or whatever but like great <laughs> i have the rest of my deck in my hand my honest take on this is unless there's like a you know it does take up a an arcane slot it's a spell so maybe there's some kind of spell synergies for some decks but other than that i think put this in the binder wait and see if they taboo like all of the really good seeker cards because this is like a <laughs> this is like a fair card and seekers right now do not need to play fair cards because they have too many unfair cards to play. So I mean, that's, that's a good way of wording it. I so think, if, honestly, if all the really fun, awesome, two good cards get tabooed, then I will happily go back and play Feed the Mind. Yeah, I remember playing Feed the Mind. It was it was roughly when when Forgotten Age was kind of like near City of Archives or something like that, and we were pretty excited about it. I played it once, and I was really happy with like, oh great, I get to draw like six cards or whatever, and it's it's like a really great like pull pull back your engine and all your cards in your hand. But like, there's just still things that I just play more like that I love like to play more. So it's definitely cool. And yeah, keep in mind, Dear Smoke Palm in chat mentions that Harvey draws four max of this. Remember that this works pretty well with Harvey because you want to draw cards during your turn, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I tried it in the Harvey deck. I haven't been too impressed with it because yeah, sometimes you draw a bad token and it's like, oh, I just draw two cards. I could have just taken a draw action. Yeah. that's that's the thing it's, it's just very it's very resource and, and action intensive for seekers who yeah. really generally would like to just be spending most of their actions getting clues yeah but. i think the only person who would like realistically be able to afford this if, if like you needed a way to draw would be marie because she can play off class spells mm -hmm. um but marie also has access to like one of the other best draws in the game which is the um the scroll of prophecies which already, like, it draws you three cards and then you discard one, which you can use for, like, other things that you could, other things that you can do in Murray deck, so. Yeah, when you, when you compare this to Scroll of Prophecies, it does not come out very well, right? Yeah, other but, than the hand slot. Yeah. I mean, would Trish want this somehow? Because Trish can take Seeker cards, and I mean, she's not Yeah, we don't, we don't know who Trish is yet. 
So <laughs> who is that? Who? They, uh, Trish is. Tr- uh, are you talking about some kind of secret spy person whose identity hasn't been revealed? Uh, <laughs> they've been revealed uh, on another podcast, uh, but yeah, <laughs> officially. But you know, whatever. Fine. Let's move on. Next card. This is. Next card is Forbidden Tome. Uh, oh God, there's a lot of text here. <laughs> all right, so uh, it's it's all so three versions of this tome. First is the level zero uh, Forbidden Tome untranslated. So this is to go in the long line of untranslated, undeciphered, or, or whatever. Um, so this is a uh, one cost level zero asset uh, commits for one wild uh, item relic tome or its subtypes. Uses five secrets. Action, exhaust Forbidden Tome, and spend one secret, draw one card. Then if you have ten or more cards in your hand, and there are no secrets on Forbidden Tome, you may discard it and record in your campaign log that you have translated the tome. Hooray! Um, so in in terms of just the card as related to the other translated cards, already a higher level of difficulty to try, to try and get this. You have just well, five actions, and also make sure the last action puts you over 10 cards or you're already over 10 cards well uh, right unless you have some way to move the secrets off of this onto something else which which is rare i guess and but, but i mean the action's also like you are getting cards out of this right it's like the That's the, true. the thing about the um archaic glyphs is like that one is also kind of takes a lot of effort to discover but you get a whole bunch of money as a reward for discovering it this one like it right. takes a lot of actions but you do get cards it's a lot of actions. <laughs> it is a lot. Of, so if you're Daisy, I, well, again, like every time I see a tome, I think of Daisy, and I'm like, this is a free action to draw. Card. That's the like, thing. Yeah, yeah. For Daisy, Daisy, it's almost fine because she gets to spend her free action to draw a card. Harvey, he gets to do an action to draw two cards on his turn. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not terrible. You know. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. So, what do you get when you actually complete this? This like kind of monumental feat. Uh, Forbidden Dome Dark Knowledge is the first one. Level three. Uh, still costs one to play, has a will and a combat icon on it, so you can kind of know where this is going. Uh, you can only include this asset in your deck by upgrading it from Forbidden Tome Untranslated, and if you've translated the tome. Um, four actions, Exhaust Forbidden Tome. Move one damage from a player card at your location to an enemy at your location. Reduce this ability's cost by one action for every four cards in your hand. Um, moving is kind of powerful, but we'll get that in a sec. The second type, Secrets Revealed. Still one to play, uh, level three, has an intellect and an agility icon and a wild icon. Uh, you can only include it, blah, blah, blah. Four actions, exhaust forbidden tome. You may move to a connecting location, discover one clue at your location, and reduce the ability's costs by one action for every four cards in your hand. So again, another thing that rewards you having a ton of cards in your hand. Yeah, the... So the thing that I don't love about this is that forgetting about like Daisy for a second, for whom this is maybe a slightly different calculation for everybody else, you can only reduce this down to one action, right? So best case scenario, if you have 12 cards in hand, you're spending one action to do something that is, I feel like is kind of only barely worth more than an action. Like for the dark knowledge version, you're basically healing a damage, which is kind of like the medical texts, and you're doing a damage to an enemy. By the way, can you do only one or the other? Like, if nobody at your location has a damage, but there's an enemy, can you still... You can't, right? Because you have to move it. You need to have the damage to move. And, okay, that that just seems bad. That's like too many conditions to be satisfied. 
You'd, you'd have I, to have, like, you're in a duo deck with Mark where there's safeguard and you're doing, like, backpack friends the whole time. That's, like, the only way that that would be reasonable. Or, or Calvin. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But then you're, oh, but then you're making his stats worse. And also, how does, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, Dark, Knowledge, Dark Knowledge just seems bad. And then Secrets Revealed. So, okay, so you have 12 cards in hand. You're doing this for one action. For one action, you can move and discover a clue. Which is kind of nice, but that's kind of like two actions for one. If you meet this condition, four, three XP and a hand slot, and once per turn, you know. I mean, it's a Tesla's clue. That's something. You can knowledge just power this tome if you want and not have to pay actions. <laughs> uh, Captain Farney says a good good point in chat. Isn't this just Ursula? Yeah. 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 <laughs> if yeah. if you're gonna beat around a bush, yeah. Um. The notable thing, I think that the the Secrets Revealed one is kind of interesting because, um, uh, and I'm thinking of this purely in the context of Daisy because she also kind of gets that one action discount, so to speak. So every one of these is reading for me as like three actions for Daisy. Um, and if you have like 10 cards in your hand, this is exactly one action. Uh, well, one Daisy action and then one real action. But if you have like Ab- Abigail Foreman out and you play this on Abigail Foreman, you, you can use this like twice effectively. Um, so you can, like, discover a clue at your location, and then, um, or you may move to a, it, it's like test, two Tesla's clues for the price of one, which is kind of nice, and, like, moving is pretty cool um, in, in that respect, so, I don't know. That That is interesting, um, but I, I just think that, so even for Daisy, there's the opportunity cost of using, like, it's not like you can just activate it for free, you get one action per turn that you can spend to activate books. So if you're doing this, you're not doing Old Book of Lore or Scroll of Prophecies or something. Um, and those are also pretty good to double with Abigail, right? So Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my impression of this is it's just for the XP and stuff, this is kind of not powerful enough. And considering the fact that you really need 12 cards in hand before it's like really good. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I always like these uh, like discoverable, untranslated cards. They're always fun. I could definitely see taking this for a spin once just to like check that box, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's you guys are thinking like, oh, if we get the discount, you have to have twelve cards to get the discount. That's a lot of cards. That's <laughs> yeah. That's you have to like you can only really use this if you're doing a big hand deck. Just fine. That's the thing. Like, if if we're having if we're having a conversation about like, is this really worth it? Assuming that we always have twelve cards, that's a really good sign that it's probably not great. So, yeah, the big, I mean, the, the big hand deck when it's fully running, you have like 15 cards in your hand at all times, and you're still playing and drawing cards. Just you just always have a pile of them in your hand. <laughs> so yeah, this yeah. this secrets revealed definitely Ursula's Ursula's journal. It's like how how I learned to to make my feet into rocket boots. Part one. Secrets you know, revealed like... is definitely the better of the two. I think dark knowledge is yeah. pretty bad. Um, so. Dark knowledge is tough because it's like you have to have. I mean, if you're playing Forgotten Age and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna take physical trauma. <laughs> hey, there's your value. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> it's like you're playing with a Mark. Sure, he's gonna have damage on him. We're gonna play with Calvin. Sure, he's gonna have damage on him. Though he's gonna hate you moving at places. Tommy, sure, like oh. It's just, Wait. Here's here's what you do. You have an enemy on you, uh, but you don't have any damage on you yet. You can use Stark Knowledge, and then it'll hit you <laughs> because it provokes AOO, <laughs> and it's like it's hitting itself. <laughs> wow, uh, it's really good. This is finally they printed the Seeker Survival Knife that we were all waiting for. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the next card. Is that okay? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So here we have a level zero version of Higher Education. 
Uh, it is a zero-cost asset with a will and intellect icon on it. Uh, talent, while you have five or more cards in your hand, higher education gains. Free trigger, spend a resource, you get plus one all-power for this skill test. Free trigger, spend a resource, you get plus one intellect for this skill test. And that effect is this very similar to the original version, which is the permanent that came out of Dunwich, um, which uh, had the same effect except spending one resource gave you plus two to that, to the chosen skill. Uh, which, it uh, t- turns out, and, that was pretty relevant in why that card was good. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> permanent. That was extremely yeah. important. It was permanent, and it got tabooed to have plus five experience. So, having <laughs> a level zero card to like probably what they consider like a level eight card. I, I, um, I, I am kind of expecting to see that in the next taboo list, this might be cranked up to like tabooed plus ten experience or something. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, also, we have to briefly take a moment to stand another very educated gentleman standing in front of a chalkboard with math on it, just like Arcane Enlightenment. So good, good, also, good for this guy. That's probably not a real bird. I think that's a stuffed bird. No, that, come on. That's a cameo from the from the Farseek crow. Are you kidding me? Maybe. That crow's name is Farseek, and this is his cameo. It could also be the crow that's on the uh, survivor card, the raven. You know, birds are good at finding clues in this game, apparently. And or, you know, or reducing only by one. It's one of the other things. You know. Yeah. Here's Help the thing. Clues are very spooky. Like, as a card, I think that this, this card is, like, pretty fair. It's, like... Costing zero is a huge, huge boon for this. And there's there's a couple other cards. They, they kind of reprinted a cycle of these, um, like Streetwise and everything. The red one is, we talked about last week, and it's not great. It costs like two or three to get out, and then you can start benefiting from it, and it's basically just like hard knocks. This is like, this is solid, because it's doing what you need it to do. Getting will is is great. That's like a very, very relevant stat that's going to be relevant on pretty much anybody because of treacheries. Getting uh, intellect is is great because you're a seeker and that's what you do. So, like, pretty fine. Costing zero is really good compared to the original talents from the core set. Like, um, what was the seeker one? Uh, Something. I forget what it was called. It was knowing stuff or something. Um, (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, the, like... Yeah, costing zero is really good. I could see playing this in, like, Finn or something if you really wanted to spend one of his five off-class cards on it. Um, Like, anybody that has money and needs to boost their intellect, this is a reasonable way to do it, as long as as you're pretty sure you can have five cards in hand. Having five or more cards in hand is just a pretty gentle restriction that doesn't seem that bad. The big hand stuff that requires you to have, like, eight or ten, I think is a harder sell, but five is pretty reasonable. Yeah, hyper-awareness, that's what I was... Yeah, you just need to have enough money engine. Like part of the reason super higher education was tabooed is because of Milan existing and being able to give you like three money every turn just by investigating. Uh, and also, and also, it was just so efficient. One resource for plus two, which is yeah. much better than any of the other money for to sure. boost your skills cards. Yeah, Kraken <laughs> and Kraken and Smoke Bomb in the chat. Thank you very much. Hyper awareness is the card. Um, Cost two, and it gives you boat boosts in. Um, intellect and agility. So agility is relevant because it might be able to like help you escape things quicker. And this doesn't really give you any defense in terms of like dealing with enemies. But if you're Daisy, you might be playing spells. If you're you know Norman, you might be playing spells. There, there are definitely uses for will. Like, everyone, everyone needs willpower at some point because of treasure yeah. cards. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, when they finally print level five, knowing stuff. I think that's the card that the secret community <laughs> has been waiting for for a long time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's higher education. Any more to say about higher education, or should we should we move on even higher to the to the next education? 
All right, let's let's do that. Let's do it. Uh, so our next card is oh well that was we have a reprint of laboratory assistant boring, right? Uh, and then we have library docent. So this is but, a yeah, talk about library assistant at all. It's a reprint. We haven't we haven't really been talking much about this. Moving on. Whatever. <laughs> you guys you guys insisted on talking about live and learn last time against my wishes, but this time I'm in control. Ha ha ha. Library docent is a one cost level one asset. It has an intellect icon and an agility icon. It is ally and miskatonic. Uh, and it says reaction. After library docent enters play, return a tome asset you control to its owner's hand. Play a different tome asset by title from your hand, reducing its cost by two. It has one health and two sanity, and it takes up the ally slots. And the art is several very nice people carrying books. Oh. I don't think students. Docents, even. They're playing, they're holding books, so they're probably cultists. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be She's fair, well, nice. now that I look at it, the lady in front is carrying a book, but the guy behind her just has a bag that looks like it might contain books. And then the person behind him looks like he's holding maybe a brochure. Ben, how do we feel about brochures? Are brochures as scary as books? Uh, they're less scary. I mean, unless, it's like a, unless it's a person approaching you on the street to give you a brochure, that's pretty scary. I mean, I've, I've never heard of like an eldritch brochure that contains uh, forbidden knowledge from beyond time and space. But <laughs> there's still time for that to be a plot element in one of the upcoming campaigns. So this is like really reasonable sell for like an ally right like if you're doing weird tome stuff with things like there's a card that we're going to talk about later that will like shift a lot of these miskatonic allies in viability and in in interest for sure um but i think that like one one cost for this is like the important part i think because you're getting what is essentially like Something that's similar to this, I guess, would be um, Art Student, where you just play or you get a clue. Obviously, getting a clue is way better than just playing a tome. But um, for for a one health, two sanity body um, that could help you like recharge your encyclopedia or your the, the next two cards that we're talking about, um, it, it could be like kind of a cool combo combo sort of thing. Especially with like things like I'm calling me favors, you can get multiple uses out of it. But yeah. I mean, the point of this card is let you recur your other tomes, right? Yeah. So or play, play tomes that are locked in your hand because you've got both your hands. It's it's just really a shame that it specifically restricts you from like bouncing a tome and playing that same tome. You have to play a different one. That yeah, really that cuts down on the power of it quite a bit. Yeah, I imagine like, if they ever did an upgraded version, that would probably be one of the restrictions they took. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I think the thing that people are really going to maybe want to do with this is. Um, what was the thing in Netrunner, like, something plus scavenge? Like, you could, like, put something into play for free and then scavenge it so it stayed out forever. Or, uh, y- you know, you could do that with, like... Oh, yeah, like test run? Yeah, stuff. like test run, scavenge, like, stuff like that. Or there's plenty of ways to do that in Magic, where you, like, put something, you flash something in with, like, flash, and then you, like, whatever, bounce it so that it stays on the field. You can do that kind of thing with this, with sleight of hand, if you're playing people that can play sleight of hand, so people want to do combos with that. I think if you're building a deck around like using uh, tomes that have limited uses, like secrets, and you want to refill them, then this is an important component of that. I think in like just a general purpose good secret deck, it's kind of hard for this to compete with like Mr. Rook and Milan and Abigail. But I mean, I, I think you could make a pretty fun deck out of this. Yeah, I think so too. Very fairly costed. I think that that's like the saving grace of this because it's like if this were like two or three, I would not consider playing it. 
<laughs> because yeah. this is one. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's that's like minimal risk to, you know, to... It, it's kind of like aware of the fact that you're going to be playing like three or four cost book, like, next. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, next, uh, next card? Uh, I, are we uh, tuned out? Because, yeah, I started talking about Netrunner. <laughs> <laughs> well... Now tune back in. Time to tune back in, Ben. All right, what are we doing? Dane, is Dane reading this card? He should be. Hold on, it's not. There we go. Next card is Miskatonic Archaeology Funding. Remember, we were talking about a card to to have Miskatonic things happening. This is it. Uh, level four asset. It's permanent. It's a grant. Limit one per deck. You have two additional ally slots, which can be only be used to hold Miskatonic assets. Forced when you take damage or horror. No more than one of that damage or horror can be assigned to a Miskatonic Asset. So this is like charisma for a very specific type of, of education, right? <laughs> I I really want to know if the reason behind this is like they wanted, they figured that Harvey needed charisma to play all these kind of like librarian type cards, but they didn't, they thought it would be boring to like literally reprint charisma in his deck or <laughs> notice there's no neutral cards in any of these decks. Like they didn't want to print a neutral card. So mm. they gave us basically like a seeker-specific alternate charisma, maybe. That's kind of what it feels like. The force effect is very weird, and also yeah. you know, list rules-wise. Uh, I, oh, really? I, I think we're going to have to talk about that when we talk about Harvey, because I think that that is an attempt to mi- prevent you from preventing his Achilles heel of a weakness from murdering him. So Well, there's, there's, there's discussion amongst the rules nerds on whether... You can, if this means you can only put one damage or horror total on any Mystotic asset, or if it means you can, like per, uh, just put one per. I mm-hmm. my vote would be one total, but I I'm not a rules expert. Yeah, the the rules nerds uh, on on the <laughs> Discord. Um, the so rules nerds. Someone put together a, a spreadsheet, a Wern, <laughs> uh, of like all the various questions we have on all these cards. Rules, rules nerds uh go outside go for a walk ride ride a bicycle but also i respect you and i would like to know the answer to this question <laughs> this is like i mean uh, compare this to charisma charisma gives you like one additional ally, which is amazing this gives you two additional ally slots on top of that you can get two charismas for 10 experience also that's like you can have so many allies right now are you kidding me also most of the good seeker allies except mr rook are miskatonic like milan yes. is abigail i think is yep. dr william henry mallison is yeah All anybody the... you'd be considering for yeah. for the uh harvey walters shenanigans big hand stuff like lab assistant art students all the expendable ones you name it um they're all Miskatonic. Yeah, it's basically like rather than get charisma in a seeker deck, you could probably, if you're pretty sure you're going to get two charismas, which is a big if, you should probably get this instead. But maybe you don't need it. So I don't know. Uh, also, I like the art. I would really like a playmat of this cool art of people hanging out at a spooky dig site, digging up a glowing coffin that's probably going to kill everybody. Please, <laughs> please make me a playmat of this card. It's a really interesting, like, build around, certainly build around me. You have a lot of allies if you're thinking about taking this card, right? Like, you've got all of those expendable allies that are really cheap to play, give you, like, mild bonuses and boons, and then th- you'll just, like, profit from from having this for just four experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really just changes the course of your deck. It takes away, because of that condition, it takes away the value of some of these, like, more disposable allies and making them harder to dispose of. That's the thing. Which which is 
one of the, a lot of the benefits of these guys is like oh you play them they do something and then they're there to soak for you. Now you can't soak for you as as well. That's true. That's fair. Someone yeah. brought a, someone brought in chat that uh, grant funding doesn't involve immediately sacrificing your grad students to the first sign of trouble. I mean, if you've if you've <laughs> ever sounds, watched that sounds wrong. If you've ever watched a movie about like a expedition into some kind of scary place, then I I think you would know that actually this is exactly how archaeology works. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's okay. move on to the next card. All right. I mean, most of the cards in this deck have been pretty lukewarm so far, so let's look at this one. It's called the Necronomicon. Uh, the Petras de Dacia translation. I'm sure I said that loud and correctly. Good job, Ben. <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> I must have said it wrong. And no, welcome to the chat. No Cthulhu's popped out, so. Uh, it is a level 5 asset, cost 3, has 5 intellect icons on it. Seems like a lot. All right. 1, 2, uh, 3, 4, 5. Count them. Item and a tome. Uh, uses six secrets, limit one per deck. Uh, free trigger, spend one secret, you get plus two skill value for this skill test. Free trigger, spend two secrets, draw two cards. Free trigger, spend three secrets, discover one clue at any location. Free trigger, spend four secrets, deal three damage to an enemy engaged with you. It takes up a hand slot. Hmm. Those all seem like very good effects. <laughs> this is it. I'm surprised this isn't unique, but I guess it's limit one per deck. So. It's limit one per deck, but yeah. it means someone else could have a copy. Yeah, that's that's kind of weird, I think. This I mean, is like, secrets. this is really hard to evaluate. I know that for for solo, in like sort of solo mini decks, people are ridiculously excited about this. Because this is really dumb. I think because it's so flexible, like the the three secret thing, discover one clue to a location in solo, basically usually means clear off a location of clues. The spend four secrets thing basically means like kill an enemy, which you don't have a lot of ways to do in Seeker, so that's very powerful. Um, it's just so flexible, and then obviously you can try to get more secrets on it. You can sleight of hand. You can bounce it with that ally we just talked about in the plate again. Yep. So you can yeah, do some pretty bombs. You don't stuff. even exhaust it, is the thing. Like you can just do all these in one turn and then pull it back. It, it also yeah. works with knowledge is power and Abigail, right? Oh uh, yeah. Does it work with knowledge is power? Isn't that just actions or does it work in free triggers? Uh, that's a good question. It's it's actions and free triggers, I think. As long as it's an asset. And like I mean the big thing here is is Abigail like just makes this absolutely absurd. And like and then you can just like bounce it back with library docent and then, you know, play it again later. Sleight of handing isn't even a thing that I considered, and, and like maybe you take a sleight of hand in Mandy because you you can do exactly that. You can just like yeah. sleight of hand this out, dump like just like dr get what two secrets or get three cards. The, the, and then, you, you could play this, dump this out, pump your skills, draw six cards. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the draw that. six cards thing is the really is interesting because most of the other things like boosting your skill value, you have other ways to do that. Discover a clue at any location. You have the pendant that can do that. You have other ways to do that. Deal three damage to an enemy engaged with you. In a group, you don't really need that. Maybe in solo, you do. But the draw, like if you can sleight of hand this out, immediately draw six cards and then just bounce it back at the end of the turn. I mean, okay, now now you have my attention a little bit, right? Like yeah, that's sure. that's pretty solid. I mean, you have other ways to draw cards too, but I feel like this card, like in a vacuum by itself, is like good and fine. But because there's ways to bounce it and recur it, that makes it extremely strong. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it also, like, it has five icons on it. So, like, if you're playing it in the incredibly good secret decks in multiplayer where you're trying to use guide, um, archaic glyphs, uh, guiding stones, 
like maybe some cycles through your deck you actually play it maybe sometimes you like sleight of hand use it up and then commit it to a test where you're trying to succeed by 12 um i I don't know the the thing is like no one ability on this on its own for the amount of secrets it costs is like holy crap that's incredible it's just the flexibility that you have i think makes this really really good in like solo or duo and i think it's i think it's more like fair slash like good but not incredible in like higher player counts but it's still there's a lot of ways to do incredible things with it yeah i think that so Last episode, we were talking about, like, um, old keyring and, like, scavenging, making scavenging a thing. I think in Min, level 2 scavenging is is pretty funny with this Necronomicon, because you can, if you can get rid of it, you can, like, keep playing it from your bin and, and just keep using the secrets, even if it's active desperation, which is kind of hilarious. Also, if you have, if you're playing this in Min, I think you could actually get rid of King and Yellow by... It would, it would definitely make it easy to get rid of King and Yellow, right? Because you have so many icons. And with Min, you can play Active Desperation. And after you're done using up the secrets, you can hit someone with it. You could show the book out of That's yeah. great. <laughs> this book is empty. I need a new one. Exactly. Yeah, I've used up... I've ripped out all the pages of this book. Time to bounce it back to my hand and replay it. You know? It's so cool. Just, just Cra- like my Kraken books. a good just... point in chat. You can definitely use this with Well Prepared and Joe. And you get five, uh, five intellect icons on one thing. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, that's that could be a fun range. Wait, isn't Well Prepared like level 3 or something? Well, it's two. So, yeah, so someone can, so I think Joe, maybe the only one can do that combo, but yeah, Joe could become an investigation machine just by playing this and not uh, recycling it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is one we're going to have to come back to and it just it interacts with so many cards and there's so many different ways to use it i think we have a lot of stuff to figure out about how to use this effectively but it's a very it's a very powerful card very for sure for sure yeah uh let's move on to the next card which is wit and green and we have two versions of wit and green so uh this is a unique uh, a unique card so the level zero version is a Level zero, asset, cost four, one intellect icon, ally, miskatonic. So it works with that new permanent we just talked about. While you control a tome or relic asset, you get plus one intellect. Reaction after you reveal a location or put a new location into play. Exhaust wit and green. Search the top six cards of your deck for a tome or relic asset and draw it. Shuffle your deck. Uh, Has two health and sanity. Takes up the ally slot. The level two version is the same, except that it adds a willpower icon. It... Um, while you control a tome or relic asset, you get both the original plus one intellect and plus one will. Uh, when you reveal a location or put a location to play and you exhaust it in green, instead of searching the top six, you search the top nine, and it has three sanity instead of two. So it just kind of increases everything about it a little bit. Which is um, always great. It's, this is similar to like Granny Orn or Peter Sylvester or Lola Santiago, where it's like a level two or three-ish, four-ish cost ally that like gives you two stats and has some kind of relevant ability on it. So that's pretty cool. That does a lot of the stuff that you want it to do. Yeah, yeah. to be someone that's playing tomes, which a lot, there's a lot of tomes now, so there's a good yeah. chance there's one that you want to play. Uh, yeah, or relics. There's not as many relics, but they're yeah. Either way, um, and definitely in this deck, we've seen a lot of tomes and relics. So like, there's just the cards in the Harvey deck here. You can yeah. probably trigger it pretty well. Um, 
honestly, Pennant of the Queen, the little the little fragments of Pennant of the Queen, you have one of those down, Witten's turned oh, not. So right. like yeah. second if you just get one experience or one one um uh resource, play it fast, now Witten's Witten's turning on all the uh the good stuff for you. There's also like if you're if you're trying to pass will test, you could play Tooth of Esley and this, and Tooth of Esley is a relic, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the only hesitation about this being great is, as we've said before, there are a lot of other good allies competing with it. So like Daisy, Daisy's like the one seeker that you know is always definitely going to have tomes, but Daisy mm-hmm. would definitely rather have Abigail Foreman, right? So it's sort yeah. of like, well, would you play both? Or and the answer is maybe, especially if you had that new grant funding permanent. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I, like, I I don't think this comes in ahead of like Mister Rook or um, Abigail, but definitely a good card, and probably you can fit it into a lot of decks. Oh yeah, I mean, we're not even considering the fact that it searches your deck multiple times. I think for when when Mister Rook inevitably gets gets eroded to two or three experience per. You might play this in Mandy to find, like, to to constantly search through your deck and things. I was trying to think if it would be good in like Luke, um, who would like like using grotesque statues or something, and or maybe other secret tomes, yeah. or maybe who else can maybe Marie can Marie get level two? Oh, they have scroll of prophecies. That's remember, a yeah, remember scroll of prophecies right. is a tome too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, one. I, yeah. I'm, one uh, one last thing to talk about. So when you reveal a location or put a new location into play, I mean, that's really... Like, in solo, you're going to do that a lot, probably, right? Or at least relatively often. Yeah. In group play, you might not do that very much. Like, on average, you might do it... I mean, if you have Pathfinder and stuff out, maybe you are doing a lot of the exploring and revealing. Um, but, I mean, I, I think this is pretty strong anyway just because of the stat boost that it gives you so yeah, even if sure. even if that only triggers like once per scenario it's probably pretty good yeah, yeah. it's just you, you don't get the stat boost until you get the tomo relic down so you have to keep that in mind like yeah, by, you, by herself she doesn't give you anything you would want to yeah but, you would want to count up how many tomes and relics you have in your deck before you decide to play this yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, like, the one thing, too, um, she is not susceptible, similar to Mr. Rook, to those uh, Centuries of Secrets type things where it's like deal one damage to all the allies you control or something like that. She's not susceptible to that. And that's like the Mr. Rook killer. That's the Peter killer. That's like the um, uh, well, Grand Warren killer. Like, well, Mr. Rook is two and two, so Mr. Rook is also kind of safe from those. Yeah, exactly. That That's but, one of the another Dr. dimension. In Dr. Which Milan like, really and dumb. some of the other allies. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I think she's great. Let's uh, let's uh, move on. Oh, sorry, you had something. There's a message in the chat. Uh, the gatebox is you probably got a new location to play every time you use gatebox. <laughs> oh, that is true. <laughs> that's so you'll, you'll get that. That's sure. pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm very really interested now in trying to find some type of loopy nonsense to use her. <laughs> there's also like yeah, there's definitely certain scenarios like Lost in Time and Space or maybe like Pallid Mask where this is going to happen more often than others. So could yeah, be, definitely could be cool. Oh, uh, I forgot an age. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's uh, let's move on and talk about the events in the deck. Hooray! So events, we've got one of our favorites, one of the one of the MUR spot favorite favorite events of all time. I've got a plan. Um, so I've got a plan. We've got a new level two version here. Uh, it costs two resources to play. Has an additional intellect icon on it. And uh, still an insight tactic. Fight. This attack uses. Uh, Intellect instead of combat, you get plus two intellect combat uh, intellect for this test, and then you deal plus one damage for this attack, uh, maximum of three for each glue you have. 
So, uh, buffed, pretty solid. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward upgrade. Uh, costs a little bit less, gives you a stat boost to make it easier to hit. The the intellect instead of combat thing is just a clarification. It's not actually any change in how the card works, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, oh, I, guess it, I guess it is, because if for some reason you had to fight with, like, willpower or something, you wouldn't be able to use this. <laughs> Do you think that was intentional, or did they just write it differently this time? And... That's an I, unintended consequence. I feel like they probably were, they've been doing that a lot more recently in cards to say like instead of something. So I don't know if that's intended or not, or to cl- or to be clarified, or just be clarification. Clarificatified. But oh yeah, because because it says instead of, it has to actually replace that in order to be able to use it. So you can't use so, it in uh, whatever. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, don't can, know, I don't know if there's that many... But the thing is, it's a fight action. It's not like you can play this as part of doing some fight action defined by another card. I mean, there might be an enemy that's like, oh, fight this enemy using willpower. In that uh, case, you would uh, yeah. use this. I think that's a very limited... I don't think that has come up. I'm not, I can't think of anything on top of my head when that is relevant, though. Well, um, the important thing is that we clarified it. So right. good, good for us. <laughs> we uh, did. My uh, my read on this is it's kind of a low priority upgrade because I mean it is good. It's just it it's hard to see, but it decreases the cost by two is probably by one is probably my favorite part about it. The plus two bonus is also nice, so it's pretty cool. If you ha- if you have the original doorknob in your deck and you have a ton of XP, eventually you would probably upgrade it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of times where I would upgrade my like combat capabilities versus my like seeking getting more cards you know all that all those capabilities and i think that this kind of just falls short of that because i'd ra- way rather get my you know wit and green to level two or three or whatever level the other yeah. one's at or like getting more uh you know ways to draw cards things like that pathfinders way higher higher priority if this gave like three intellect or like st- like remove the cap on damage and put it up like five or something like that then that's like <laughs> that's so, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's already it's already a cap of four because it's one plus up to three. Uh, yeah, which is that, already really. Uh, <laughs> th- that's the thing. Like the original, the original Jarnob was already such a powerful card in the situation that it's used, which is like save it as like a emer- breaking case of glass emergency, and then you either get an enemy that's on you, or you like save it for the boss and like help kill an annoying boss at the end. It already works great for that. Really, the only thing that's wrong with it is that it costs a lot, and this only reduces the cost by one so it's cool it's just like yeah you're probably going to upgrade most of your other cards first exactly yeah, yeah. i mean i think the reason this was added here is because they didn't there, there's another event we'll talk about that's also similar to this where you use intellect to deal damage but they didn't reprint i got a plan and maybe they didn't want to upgrade the other card so they so i got they yeah. did middle ground is like all right he's an upgraded i've got a plan i i think we, we saw this in uh in like nathaniel's deck too these new decks because they have to be self-sufficient for possible solo play they have to include cards like this like the nathaniel deck had to have a bunch of cards that got clues somehow with like fighting right. and this exactly. one this harvey deck has to include a bunch of cards that deal with enemies somehow so i think this is one of those yeah and because we're in the event section i'm going to talk about crystallized great great things for crystallized regimes very happy oh, crystallized. Very, very exciting. <laughs> there are two symbols on it and i guess ursula could play it but <laughs> on to right. the next card <laughs> so the next card is Burning the Midnight Oil. It is a zero-cost event with intellect and an agility icon on it. Uh, it is an insight. Uh, bold investigate. When this action begins, gain two resources. Um, and it is another another art that features an old man, probably Harvey, reading a book with some tentacle shadows. It's yeah. probably fine. 
You'll sleep uh, when you're dead, old man. Yeah. Reading, reading by candlelight. I feel like by the 20s, people had, like, gas lamps at the very least. Uh, Isn't not, that what the Minoda was? Uh, well, yeah, exactly. well, I think so, right? Well, no, that that would be, like... No, that would be like oil lamps, right? I don't know. Yeah. Someone who understands light technology uh, from 100 years ago, please call into our podcast somehow and educate us because we probably we <laughs> need it. Um, the, and there was, we already saw a blue version of this that was the same thing, but it was like a fight instead of an investigate and it had different symbols. Yeah, like this is a similar card to that. I forgot the name of it already, but... Uh, same. Yeah, it's fine. It's like... It does what you want to do normally as a seeker, which is investigate, um, and it gives you two honey on top of it. So you're, you're like, if you compare it against like emergency cash, it's like instead you get one less money, but this time you get a clue instead. You know, which yeah. is not bad. And and you get the money regardless of whether or not you succeed, regardless of whether there's clues on your location, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You might maybe you draw a bad token and fail or trigger a haunted or something, but it seems yeah. like generally better than cash most of the time. I think it's better than the blue version of the card because that one it's like how often do you want to do a fight action off a card that doesn't trigger a weapon to do extra damage unless you're Nathaniel. But this one, like any seeker, is going to just do like straight up investigating fairly often. So yeah, and it triggers off of anything that gives you like an extra investigate action like Ursula. Exactly, uh, you, you can use it for that stuff too. So you know, seems fine, seems solid. Seems cool. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is like one of the most lukewarm uh, Farseek options, right? Like, when you have Farseek and you're like, well, I want to do my job as a Seeker, this is actually one of the cards, one of the few cards that will allow you to do your job in, in like, kind of a lukewarm way. When you put Farseek out and you're like, oh, great, I can take fast, investigate, and gain two resources. There's there's a little bit of, a bit of value there. But I think that, um, and and um, just Smoke Bomb in, uh, in chat linked to one of his decks that he's using Farseek in, which is using, like, really big things like... Um, deciphered reality to like get the most value out of it. you make that fast and that's like a huge investigate for your for your team but like this is like a very tiny you know like pretty pretty solid include i feel like we should we should make like a slide of like all of the the tiny different ways that seekers can gain money because they've got they've got so many now they've got like crack the case they've got uh the research one there's well, one that's coming up that we're yeah, going to be talking we're, about. We're, this one. I mean, let's let's just segue right into the next card, which I'm kind of excited about. This, I think, is yeah. a more interesting, cooler card. So Here we, we have Cryptic Writings. So there's a level 0 and a level 2 version. The level 0 version is a zero-cost event, has two int symbols on it. It is an insight, and it says, gain two resources. Reaction, after you draw Cryptic Writings during your turn, play it. The level two version is the same, except it has an addition. It has uh, one of the intellect icons becomes a wild icon, so it has one in one wild, and the text is gain three resources, four resources instead if you have ten or more cards in hand. Sorry, ten or more other cards in hand. I think clarifying that you need to have like ten cards plus this before you play it, um, and then it has the same after you draw it during your turn reaction play it. So this is pretty cool. It's almost kind of like a research card. It's sort of like an alternate version of the money part of Astounding it's a Revelation. Reverse, it's a reverse Astounding Revelation, which is why it's bad, because you'll never, ever actually draw on your turn. You'll only ever draw this during upkeep. <laughs> that is That, of course, <laughs> is true. That obviously is... It's not the two scenarios I have done with the Harvey deck so far for God of Age. So, uh, do this four times during upkeep but but the thing is here's why i like this a lot though this still has upside like look at the level two version okay so the base the worst case scenario for this card is it is literally an emergency cache except it has icons on it right 
Right. The But it has two different ways you can get upside. If you have a ton of cards in hand, then it gives you one extra resource, which is nice. And if you draw it during your turn, which, despite how it will feel sometimes, is probably going to happen like half the time or more in a Harvey deck and, and in a lot of other secret decks, uh, then you get to play it without spending an action. So, I mean, it has like two different separate dimensions where it can become a lot better than the baseline card, which is already pretty playable. Yeah, no, it, it is actually pretty solid. I just uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> had the take heart experience. And, like, and, take heart. and anything with two intellect icons is pretty solid for guiding stones. So that's, I mean, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it is good for guiding stones and nothing else. All right. Well, yeah, seems good. Moving on. So, like, talk. The okay. one there, there are some like unspeak unspoken rules that that we're talking about in the chat right now. Kevin from Kraken on us. Um, the first rule of Arkham that's unspoken is that whenever you commit take heart to a skill test, you will always draw the plus one or elder sign. The first rule of Arkham is always burn it. <laughs> the the third rule then is whenever you uh, put research cards in your deck, you'll always draw them in your opening hand or. Or you'll never find them and draw them naturally. We're going to see if this is the fourth unspoken rule where you will always draw this, as we were saying, during upkeep or any time that you would draw a card like from Guts or something like that when you don't want to be drawing it. Even still, though, this card does commit for two intellect, which is like still great. That That's the thing. On, in the really, really good Seeker decks that are just cycling their deck every like two and a half turns... It doesn't even matter if you draw your astounding revelations because you're just gonna you're gonna draw them, refine them again in like two turns. And so yeah, like, it, it doesn't even matter if you draw this. If 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 you like, I think in the really good decks you'll like, oh, I drew this during upkeep. Okay, I'm just not gonna play it. I'm gonna discard it, and then next time through my deck maybe I'll draw it during my turn, and that's fine. Yeah, or like even with that super good Mandy deck, like if you you're drawing, you're getting two targets off of Mister Rook, right? Fast action. Draw draw two cards essentially. If one of them is this, you get an you get an uh, the uh, the other one the get two yeah. cards when you're looking at a thing. You get four money and then you get another card in addition to that and maybe draw. <laughs> well, and, like, and, and you can you can do like you can start with eight cards in hand because this is like off of upkeep, and you can say, all right, I'm using Mister Rook for my first card. I pick something that I already have a copy of in hand. Exhaust Dream, Enhancing Serum. Draw another card. Then pick this. Actually, I'm not sure if the timing would work out that way, but you you get the idea. Like having, I mean, the, again, I don't mind cards that are like if you have ten cards in hand, you get like some kind of nice upside, but it's still a good card without it. Like, yeah, that's that's fine, you know. Yeah, no, this is this is great. I mean, the, my my closing remark regarding it on Crystallizer: when you draw this during your hand, you immediately play it and then stick it. You don't even need an action to do it. It's great. I'm very excited about this card. Yeah, pick it and stick it. That, that, that's, the, that's the crystallizer uh, workflow. No, but but I think, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to try this. I think it, it kind of competes with Crack the Case and with Astounding Revelation, both of which are also really good. So you kind of have to like have a hard you know, uh, decision about exactly how to get your money in, a, in a, one of these ridiculously good secret decks. But this seems really fun, and I'm excited to try it. Great A. Yep, definitely. Hooray. Uh, moving on to our next card, I this is another one where it's like, oh, there was already a version of this. I thought this was completely new, but no, there already was one. It's it's true. It's extensive research. Um, <laughs> it's so extensive. Is, it's very extensive. Even more extensive. Extensive er. It should be. It should um, be called expensive research. <laughs> hey. Um, 
So this is a 12 cost event. This is like the the highest cost event in the game. If it, actually so if you're in school right now or you're still paying off your loans, you actually can't play. Um it has two intellect icons on it and uh, it's an insight reduce the cost to play extensive research by one for each other card in your hand. Discover two clues at your location. So same exact thing, the only difference is that since it's level 0, it costs two more to play, which is a ton more. <laughs> like yep. It's so much more. Like, we were talking about a sense of research level one being like, well, this is kind of tough if you're, like, kind of a tough sell on a big big hand deck anyway. But if you're playing it in Joe and you're also doing the hand hand stuff, you get that two, you get that minus two, right? So so maybe that can, like, kind of get you in on some things that other investigators can't. This completely negates that. <laughs> this is like, remember when you were thinking about putting it a Joe deck? Well, you can't anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, much much like a lot of the cards in this deck, this is a big hand only card. Um, and even then, but, just the the upside to this is like the best, the very best possible case scenario for this is zero cost event, one action, get two clues. Compare that to like a deduction or something, right? You have to pass the test. That's like the only thing that makes it makes deduction worse, right? Right, and yeah. deduction works even if you're broke. And and yeah, I have no, and I have no cards in hand, you know. Being solo, if you're trying to do big hand and solo, and you were not solo, um, on like a harder difficulty, like harder, right, expert, right. where you don't want to do tests, like you know, testless clues are are good. It's just if you don't have the big hand running, you can't play this card. It costs I, too much. I think if if at some point you're playing, if they make an investigator that can play like every permanent, and you're playing like on your own, and um, well, no, if you're playing like an a deck that somehow can play on your own. And uh, what's the new bird card that we just talked about like 10 minutes ago? Farsight. Farsight. Then it's like, okay, you could do some fun stuff. But except for that, this just seems too too expensive and too weird. Well, on your own is only uh, survivor cards. Well, right. But like if there's a, if there's some dual class, somebody that can, some super, oh, sure, some sure. kind of like Mecha Lola or something like Robot Lola <laughs> that can play all cards. I, I don't know. You can do Minion or maybe there'll be a future like Survivor subclass Seeker or Survivor with like take five of this and this class and this class. I'm, I'm trying to be polite. Don't play this card. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, next card. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next card is Glimpse the Unthinkable. This is a downgrade of. Uh, the level five version. This is a level uh, level one, cost zero event with two intellect icons. Uh, insight, uh, draw one card, shuffle any number of, car- of non weakness cards from your hand into your deck, then draw that many cards. Uh, compared to the original level five, uh, original level five costs one, has three intellect icons on it, and the ability is. Uh, shuffle any number of your non-weakness cards from your hand to your deck, and then draw cards until you reach your maximum hand size, and then remove from game. Um, this is like a way more reasonable version of the upgrade. <laughs> like a lot, a lot more reasonable. This is—is is this like better than it looks at first? I think it, it is. I think so. We we're just talking about cards like um, cryptic writing and and the research one that I can never think. Um, this is exactly what we wanted to shuffle them back in. If you draw them on times that you don't want to have drawn them, you play Galimsey Unthinkable, you draw a card, two for Harvey, shuffle all of those cards, the research cards, whatever else you don't want in your hand at that moment, back into your deck, and then you, you know, draw some, some more cards. So it's like... Imagine having like one card left in your deck and shuffling back in like two cryptic writings and like some other nonsense or whatever and it's like oh i'm just gonna 
I'm just going to literally draw them and then immediately blast them for no actions. That would be yeah. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Great. I think this is pretty solid. Uh, even even outside of big hand decks, you can make good use of this. Uh, oh yeah. Free free is free is really good. Being able to like trade in. I mean, less than in other games because they don't have like skill icons. But still, being able to like trade in cards that you don't need for like potentially better cards is cool. But I like that it, I, I like that you draw one card right at the beginning because that one yeah. card either you like it or you trade it in and you look at a different card. So it's kind of like yeah. no matter what, you're getting to look at a lot more cards that are in your deck. Right. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think this is really solid. Yeah, I mean, like even even the most pocket case scenario where I and I know that um, if you're playing practice make perfect, you kind of want to get as much value out of your um, your practice cards as you can. So things like Perception, Vicious Blow if you're playing Joe, those kinds of things. Like if you wanted to take the gamble, like if you have a practice perfect in your hand and you're like, I've only got like six cards left in my deck. So let me like take all of my practice cards, shuffle them back in, play my practice makes perfect. Then you get another chance at like duplicating the deduction or whatever, so to speak. You might just draw it again, but you know, it'll help you like, get maximum value even out of that scenario yeah that's so. that, that's a good point too like that alone is not enough reason to play this but like it's if you're already playing it you should definitely try to shuffle back things that you can get with practice it's perfect yeah. also i mean we should mention if you're playing like a mandy deck with mr rook and this and practice makes perfect you are shuffling your deck so many times like i i, <laughs> yeah. I honestly i've not tried to play that type of deck with paper cards yet because of pandemic and various other things but holy crap you would have to do so much <laughs> shuffling to play a deck like that uh i mean i, I think that'd be fine I, I don't mind shuffling cards but it is worth considering <laughs> that's very true um yeah let's uh let's move yeah. on seems good uh this is upgraded mind over matter it is yeah so upgraded mind over matter uh lo- level two uh, still costs one to play. Has an additional wild icon in addition to the combat and the agility icons. Um, <laughs> notably, mind over matter. The over is is capitalized here. That's a difference. Uh, fast blank during your turn. Until the end of your turn. Uh, until the end of the round, add your intellect to your combat and agility and draw one card. Um, very big upgrade here. I think makes it very very different. I think upgrading mm-hmm. the cap. I think capitalizing the word "over" in the title <laughs> is a huge upgrade, and I'm really excited to see the ramifications of that for various types of secret decks. Uh, you know, we're really going to have to play this one and see how it turns out. I, mean, I think the original print was probably a misprint because it should have been capitalized in the original. But uh, it's a good fix there. Uh, this card, I'm not. I'm less excited about this card because it means that you're no longer doing an intellect test with it, so you can't commit intellect icons directly. Yeah. Uh, you have to commit combat oh, yeah. icons. It's also just so. for the... I mean, this is one of those cards kind of like Doorknob, where it's like a hedge. like It's in your deck as like an emergency thing anyway. Like A lot of games you won't even play it. When you do play it, your intellect is probably high enough that just using your intellect is probably fine. Like you probably don't really need to add it to your probably crappy combat and agility. Cause if your combat and agility were any good, you would be less likely to play this card. You just play like a courage or something. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't really think that this is ever worth playing, honestly, except maybe in like a solo deck where you really need to. Here's something that's a weird point. If the O's are differently capitalized, does that mean they have the same name or different names? 
That is a good point. This is, I mean, this is the kind of thing that software engineers have to deal with every day. So believe me. Uh, yeah, it's very relevant. Yeah, it's, so. it's, if it's in Unicode, is that it? You know, we'll, we'll have to figure it out. Um, I mean, it still helps. Like, I think the big thing here is that, that like, um, I've got a plan doesn't do is that it helps with treacheries, right? Like, if you're exploring in the Varan Age or something like that, and you add your, you need to add your book to your, uh, to your agility, then, like, that's, that's a huge bonus. So it helps with treacheries if you explore or play a delve on your turn. That's right, it, though. Yeah, not, exactly. Not, it has to be on your turn. Not good enough. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Mind over matter. You, you're, you're the weakest link. Bye. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, we, we messed up. We messed up the rotation at some point. I'm just going to read this one because I think I, I should probably skip mine. Uh, so occult invocation is a two cost event level zero it has a combat icon and an intellect icon it's a spell as an additional cost to play occult invocation discard up to two cards from your hand fight this attack uses combat uh, uses intellect instead of combat you get plus one intellect and deal plus one damage for this attack for each card discarded as part of this card's cost interesting I was I was very sad because I, I played this card in, in kind of a cool Marie deck where I have like stones and um uh winging it and i was like i really want to do cool things with like this and with the uh the tome where you get the spell that does kind of a similar thing but this actually doesn't do for blood rights blood right actually lets you draw two cards and then you can discard cards right i thought that this read exactly like that so i was like wow this is great but this is you only can discard cards uh from your hand to to get the bonuses um so it's a little less versatile but i think i think it's still kind of a cool card if you've got a lot of cards in hand I hadn't even thought of that. This really is just a worse blood right, right? Because it costs two instead of zero. You don't get to draw two, but you still have to discard two to do... I mean, you can do, like, three damage instead of two, but you have to do a test. Exactly. Yeah. I, so the only... I mean, so the thing that makes it really good, I think, is, like, if you enter something and you have, like, Moonstone, all that kind of benefits, then you kind of get the best value out of it there. But, like, otherwise, it's it's kind of tough to use... Um, in kind of a sustainable way. And if you're doing the giant hand deck, then you often have cards that you can afford to just discard. Uh, <laughs> see, see, this is like the deck pretty quickly no, this anyway. is this is why the giant hand deck is sort of bad. It's like on the one hand you're saying, oh, it's fine because if you have cards, you get all these great bonuses. But on the other hand, you're saying, ah, but then you can discard all of your junk cards. But then your uh, whatever that book was, when, then then your book of books isn't giving you as many bonuses now. Like, but. In the big hand deck, you have like fifteen cards in your hand at once, so you constantly when you discard something, it's fine because you're going to redraw it like in two turns anyway. Well, sure, but I mean, like then, but then you've turned off that stuff for those two turns. Like all I'm saying is, like it's still a cost to like give up cards, right? Like yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're holding, if, if you're holding cards in your hand that you never want to play and you're happy to just like hold there, why not? I, that just doesn't doesn't seem great. But yeah, I mean, with this though, you can do three damage, which is very important. Pretty, rele- pretty relevant. Um, I guess unlike doorknob, you don't have to have clues. So some scenarios where you have to like instantly spend your clues as soon as you get them, like I've got a plan doesn't really work. This is mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more f- flexible than... It's also by, by one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I like... I've got a plan more in general, but this is... Especially like for a secret deck where... It's like we were saying, this is... It's why this and Mind Over Matter and Upgraded Doorknob were in here. They had to put in a few cards that would help Harvey somehow deal with enemies for solo exactly. play, right? So Exactly, yeah. I think and that's I, kind of why this card exists. Um, I, I, I do know. like, I do like the art. Deck and it's fun. 
I do like the art with like spooky badass Harvey. That's that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the art is definitely pretty cool. I feel like I feel like the whole theme of the untranslated thing. It's like somebody told Harvey not to open this book, and then he was like, "Well, I'm going to open this book," and then this is him opening that book. Sir, I am an old man, and I will do as I please. And what I please <laughs> is to read this book. It doesn't care. Just goes straight for it. Completely disregards all, all uh, protocol. Let's uh, let's move on to the next card. Uh, so okay. There's a reprint of Crosser Sketches, which pretty pretty good card. Okay. Uh, and the next new card is Seeking Ask Seeking. Seeking answers. Seeking, uh, uh, it's it's a level level two uh, cost one of it. Uh, it is an upgrade from a Dunwich card that was a level zero. Uh, this version has uh, intellect and two agility icons. The ability is investigate. If you succeed, discover two total clues from among your location and connecting locations. The original version. Uh, was instead of discovering a clue at your location, discover a clue at a county location. And that's extremely relevant because this card gets you three clues yes. while the original one got you one. <laughs> yep. Uh, and from your location. That's that's the big thing, right? Like this is this is absolutely yeah. ridiculous in, in the proper decks, I think. Yeah, this and there is, are yeah. two there are two investigators that I'm thinking of that can make very, very, very good use out of this card. One of them doesn't exist yet, but this is this is the big like Leo squinting and in Inception like did they do this on purpose? Did they <laughs> like like are we sure is this going to get eroded? Should I sell sock in this card because it's about to become only sixty six percent as good as it currently is? Like I don't know because uh, it, it says like I feel like maybe they thought that discover two total clues the word total like discover two two total clues meant somehow that like you did not get get three but uh, I know you definitely do. Yeah, this yeah. card is like <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, it's so, still like it costs one. You, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's pretty cool, right? It's like because you can't have four copies of Deduction Level Two in your deck, right? So you might as well maybe have two copies of that. Or... Oh God, it's so good! Like, so we we're talking about like Right of Seeking, why that's so good, and it's exactly three player play. Right. This card like shines in that scenario like hugely, and it's like. like it, it's an insight, so it fits right in the hunch deck. Oh know. my god. It, it's well, so good. Like, for Ursula, Ursula can like, fast action move, play this from her from her trigger, and you get three clues. And so like, deduction to it, like, ugh. So lets you, like, sneak under locked doors and stuff, because you can... Oh, that's yeah, right. That is... From your adjacent location. So you could... Like, well, but even, I mean... Does Lockdoor says you can't, say you can't discover or can't investigate? You can't investigate. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... I think it also would get around that uh, TCU card, uh, not TCU, the Dream Eaters card that uh, adds oh. a Doom investigation or whatever. Yeah. You know, it would sneak into that as well. That's pretty so... good. And it, it works in the Farsight deck, you know, if you're trying to play a very event heavy yeah. secret deck. So I, I think this so is pretty. She can just run to the next location, you know, if there's clues on the one she left <laughs> and grab them anyway. You know. If there were any hypothetical investigator was rogue and could also play this double double with this is hilarious. Like if there were a hypothetical rogue yeah. who could like dodge any enemies 
Yeah, I'm really confused about everything. It's it's not a matter of like we're not allowed to. It's more a matter of just like there's so many there's so much stuff to already talk about, and we're going to be yeah. talking about Tristan. This card is very 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 cool. I'm yeah. very excited. I'm very excited to see like a, a card that I would otherwise consider basically dead in my yeah. binder, and and have it be like become like wow, this is amazing. I'm very excited to. Yeah, it's it's always fun when that happens, and this is definitely a really surprisingly big increase in how good a card is from level zero to level two. So that's pretty exciting. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, let's move on to another card, uh, and of course we have a reprint of level zero deduction. No reprint of level two deduction. Too bad because that one is not in the core set. Um, so boo, unfortunate. Uh, and then moving on, we have uh, Perception. So we have, uh, it's level two, it's a skill card. Now it's a, it's a seeker card. Previously it was neutral. Uh, it has three intellect icons on it. And it says, max one committed per skill test. If it says a successful, draw one card. Two cards instead if it succeeds by two or more. Uh, so the differences are it gets a third icon and you get a second card if you succeed by two. This might be the best card in this product. That's, that's that's a hot take, Dan. I feel like there's so many cards we talked about that are definitely better. This is a this is a really good card. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely good. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I mean, is it good? Like, I never play regular it's... regular perception. That's like the skill card I never use. <laughs> I play it in uh, practice, make perfect all that, that, That's the thing, right? It's like, like this is this is like testless draw four cards. And also, <laughs> and and also, really helps with the guiding stones. Like that's. <laughs> He's seen the light. It's pretty bonkers. Like the, the just the it, it was it was a thing where like playing practice makes perfect with like deduction and level zero deduction was already pretty good, but this is just like a huge, huge shot on the arm for that deck already. You know, <laughs> you it's just like playing playing Harvey and just like drawing three cards off of multi perception. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. It's a it's... lot of cards for one skill. Like this is like these are the greater <laughs> skill cards. I think. It's kind of it's kind of dumb how good this is. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, there's other good cards we talked about too, but this is this is surprisingly good. Is what I would say. Yeah, I, I mean, mean for me, not more on board of this. It does feature Ursula on it. I don't it know. Does. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that no? I'm, does she wear glasses? Because this lady has glasses, right? No. Really? I huh? I thought I could yeah. see like she very thin frames glasses yeah i guess not the thing the thing is is that like so in an ursula deck generally speaking i'm playing a lot of events like shortcuts and um working hunches things that like you can you can just benefit off of the least amount of actions other than like your three core actions which are usually going to just be investigate 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 this like 100 percent more cards <laughs> this is like you, you just commit this to a test especially if you've got glyphs out like or guiding stones you just you draw two cards off of this, and this is amazing. It's for two experience, and and you're you're at no, and it's it's like fantastic. Yeah, because with guiding stones, you're absolutely succeeding by two, except for yeah. tentacles, and you're just you're drawing so many cards. It's stupid, and uh, you know you you practice makes perfect. You commit it once, then you have it in your hand, then you commit it again the next time. It's <laughs> oh, it's good. stupid how good it is. Um, yeah, I, I think this is the best of the upgraded corset skill cards. I think I mean the, I think they're all pretty decent, but I think this is definitely the best of them. Yeah, I was gonna say I think that like in terms of like how stats are generally being proactive, getting clues, 
all that kind of stuff. I think that that's, and then fighting uh, combat is like probably the second best and, and will guts, things like that are great. So like, you're always going to find it like as a seeker, will 100% play this every time you see it. Well, I mean, if you're not playing practice makes perfect, I would think hard about it. But if you are playing practice makes perfect, which you very likely are, then yeah, you should absolutely yeah. play this. I mean, like when you, when you see this, when you come across this in your deck, you're like, Oh, immediately. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm immediately flat, like playing this. Um, so yeah. Anything more to say about Perception Level 2? Or... Great, great that, cards. That is, uh, so that's the last of the Seeker cards. So because we were only talking about one class worth of cards in this, even though we had plenty, we spent a ton of time talking about those cards, uh, we were also going to briefly talk about the five new basic weaknesses that are in the five Investigator decks. So let's do that. Yeah, so they're all kind of themed a little bit to, to go with the investor they came with, but they're also... Yeah. Uh, ben, yeah. ben, would you like to read this one? No, it's actually Dane's turn. Uh, so. Well, I, I mean, Dane, Dane looks like he's really busy. I think Ben should read this one. Oh, man, I'm very excited to read this card. This is my favorite one of the weaknesses in the, in the new decks. Yeah, Dane, I wouldn't want to steal the Dane <laughs> excitement. Uh, this is a tetraphobia, right. right? Sure, I guess. <laughs> a tetraphobia is a madness uh, revelation you put in. Yeah, that sounds like, right. That's how after you fail a skill test, take one horror. And then uh, two actions to discard a Tichophobia. So I think this is um, this is Stella's, right? This comes in Stella's pack? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's fail themes. Counters are... Very, very just simple card. Like, kind of innocuous. Uh, unless you're, like, playing somebody like Agnes who, like, to not take random horror. Or, like, Mark, somebody has, like, a who, like tiny, tiny set of people. I mean, in Agnes, it'd be kind of fine, right? Because you get, sometimes you take horror because you fail tests. I mean, you, you probably already have Peter and stuff in, in Agnes, right? Or you have other That's ways true. to heal horror. That's very true. So. That's very true. This seems yeah. like not that scary of a weakness unless you're doing already doing like a fail hard uh, yeah. deck. I think it, it's scary if you're like Stella where you're going to fail at least once every single turn. And it's scary if you're like Roland or somebody and you have like exactly five sanity. Other yeah. than that, I think this is pretty gentle. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason why I was really excited about it, on it, <laughs> it's like somebody who's like very, very scared to, to not write Mary Had a Little Lamb. Like, yeah. I don't really it's, understand. It's really kind of creepy and scary. I don't totally understand what's going on in the art, but I, I assume it's some kind of like a all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy kind of a thing. Like someone's going nuts. Yeah, exactly. That's know, kind of the vibe I get from it. Yeah, well, they're they're worried about failing, and getting something wrong, so they're freaking out as they write it down, and they keep making they keep worrying about making mistakes, which causes a cycle of making mistakes. It's, it's an anxiety thing. Oh, it's yeah. So, uh, all right, next one. Yeah, next one's nihilism. This one's in uh, Jacqueline's uh, pack. Uh, it is a treachery madness. Uh, put Alice into play. You throw error as the revelation. Forced, after you reveal, cancel or ignore a uh, auto-fail. Take one damage, one horror. Two action, discard nihilism. So it makes the auto-fail scarier. Um, it also, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, this, but, this, uh, this seems pretty fine. Yeah. Like, how, how many times do you draw the auto-fail in a game? I have, I have a question. I have a rules question. What happens... If somebody's playing Mateo and changes that elder, that uh, does does it actually change the fact that you revealed the tentacle to an, an elder sign? I don't remember what Mateo's building. It. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> Mateo can't. Mateo cancels that token, 
and then treats it as an elder sign. So, oh, so but it would still take the damage in the horror though, because he's canceling yeah, the elder. It. Yeah. So like any type of so like for yeah. mystics in particular that do like a lot of token manipulation stuff, yeah. this is last year because you might be drawing more tokens and therefore you get the elder, the out of hill a little more. Often. Yeah. For sure. I think if you play a lot of bad bullshit cards like Dark Prophecy, then maybe you have to worry about this. If you play good cards, not a big deal. Yeah, if you get this in like that great Mandy deck or Mark, great. I'm very happy to see this. Yep. <laughs> this is just going to stay there the whole especially, game. Especially like the fewer tests you're doing, the less you care. And, and the thing right. is, like, it, it's very possible that you know if you have, eventually you, know, you might take a couple of hits, maybe you're down to like three health left, and then you're like, okay, I don't want to take the chances anymore. Then you get rid of it. And any, yeah. any weakness that you can click away for two actions is like not that bad. Like it could be worse. Right. So the worst case for this is you just spend two actions and get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the implications of the card, the artwork and stuff is very dark. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. definitely definitely a lady standing on a cliff ready yeah. to jump. So yeah, yeah. And what a what a beautiful cliff it is too. In the <laughs> full moon waves, uh, looks looks great. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's good. It's just very you know. You know, fits in with that infrastructure theme of uh... moving. Uh, moving on to the next one is called Obsessive. This is the one that's in Harvey's deck, right? Because it's on, on account of it's an old man on the in the art. So uh, Obsessive, it's a flaw. It says Revelation. Put Obsessive into play in your threat area. Forced when your turn begins, discard one non-weakness card at random from your hand. Uh, double click, discard Obsessive. Um, this one I feel like I'm going to want to get rid of very quickly yes, when I get it. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and especially well, if you're fighting a big hand deck and you have like 15 cards in your deck hand, then maybe you don't care if you just lose one of those. Oh, but what if it turns off my book of books or it turns off my <laughs> my farsight? Oh, oh. Oh, um, no, the thing is, I mean, yeah, the odds of losing the important card that you are holding on to is probably lower, but you still might lose a card that you really, you know. So the yeah, random card is so huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's annoying because if you draw it during upkeep, it will certainly trigger once, right? Yep. So, but I mean, it's not about as bad as like you know amnesia, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it's still bad though. It's, it's like the time great. investment to this is kind of like it's just really rough. Like I you mean, probably get to try to have your guardian take care of this like the second you get it, just so you don't draw like just drop your drop things that you need. Yeah, it's not it's not like Twilight Silver Twilight Acolyte where it can like lose you a turn. It's not like some that can just like kill you. It's not amnesia that's just absolutely horrible. But like you're gonna want to get rid of it. Um, yeah. Let's uh let's move on to the next one though. Next one is reckless. This is uh the one that comes in Winnie's back. Uh, basic weakness flaw. Commit only to a skill test you're performing of any type that has no other cards committed to it. Other cards cannot be committed to the skill test. If this test fails, return the skill test to your hand. Uh, if Reckless is in your hand at the end of your turn, reveal it and lose two resources. Dark Horse players rejoice. Here is your way of getting rid of all of your money forever. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the is this the first basic weakness skill we've seen? Or we've seen weakness skills before, like in Silas, but... Yeah, I think that's true. Other than Winnie's, yeah. Like Winnie's actual one. Well, yes, yeah, so that's not a basic weakness. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... This this could be kind of bad because uh, you need to you need to be able to pass a test without committing stuff. So I guess you just need to find easy tests to play it on to get rid of it. But you definitely don't want to hold it in your hand unless you're playing Dark Horse. I mean, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for like some decks like Stella where they're trying to like 
fail on purpose and then play look what I found is kind of like the type of thing that their deck wants to do where they're not actually going to pass a lot of tests. But I feel like if you are playing any deck where one of your base skills is a five and like that's the skill that you're trying to use the most, you can probably just find a way to, to use this. Especially like if you are a... If you're a seeker, you should pretty much always be able to just find a place to investigate and succeed without committing cards, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it could be, like, if you're a deck that relies on money, you could get into a hole where, like, you have to lose two resources a turn, and then because you don't have resources, you can't succeed and get rid of this. Like, certain decks, it could be really, really annoying, but I think a lot of times you'll just get rid of it quite easily. Yeah, like Kraken saying, imagine this with King in Yellow. This would suck so bad. Or or Preston, who has one in all of his stats, and like if you tr- you you can only commit this to a test, he's got like ways out. But man, this is tough for you some. Can still, you can still spend your money to boost your stats. That's true. That's true. It's also, I mean, keep in mind that if you are if you don't have to play cards that cost money, you could just hang on to this and not care. You know, like, like right. the worst that this can do is keep you broke so that you only have one resource a turn from upkeep. Yeah, that's oh, right. How how does this work with Preston? Do you lose it off of his inheritance if you don't have money in your actual pool? No. Ooh. I, I mean, so. that's interesting, right? Because, like, some Preston decks, you're not really trying to stack up money. You're just trying to... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, for a, I think a lot of times this is not going to be very bad. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, inheritance doesn't count as being in your pool. It's just yeah. money. Spent. Last so. one. Yeah, so last one is self-destructive. Uh, this was in Nathaniel's deck. It is a treachery flaw. Revelation put self-destruction in your play area. Uh, forced when you deal one or more damage to an enemy, take one damage. Double action to discard. Um, if you're not a fighter, then this is a great weakness. This is wonderful. This is like this. The only way to make Mandy better was to print this weakness so that if she gets it, she's just like completely unbeatable. Uh, it's also a great mark weakness, right? Because you can, uh, yeah, (laughs) take a damage, draw a card. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. Well, especially like, cause what you could do is like, uh, well, oh no, because I was thinking, oh yeah, you could like use B-Cop on enemy phase, but then you're already drawing a card off of using the B-Cop. You don't get another card off of right. taking. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, this the, the thing is, like, if you are a... Honestly, Mark is one of the worst Guardians to get this. Other Guardians yeah. usually, like, okay, they are going to fight sometimes, but they also have, like, eight or nine health, so they can take it for a couple turns if they need to. With Mark, yeah. it's like, okay, you're trying to carefully manage your, your health. You don't want to just take damage from this, probably, but even still, it's pretty easy to get rid of. You can always have somebody, the person that you just saved from a Byaki, you can say, hey, can you please click away my self-destructive, you know? Yeah. No, this is great for, like, Tommy. Like, <laughs> fill up my leather coat, please. Oh. Yeah. Also, <laughs> great, great, great for Calvin, right? It should say spirit flaw on it, because it's, like, a great, great Calvin. You can draw this when you versatile in the uh, boxing. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah, I like uh, I like the art on this because it's like someone like punched a mirror, you know, enough to, until it broke or whatever. Perhaps, yeah, like, yeah. perhaps with a boxing glove. Perhaps, or, or yeah. not because there's like blood on the glass. So probably, probably not. That was the problem. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's all the weaknesses. Yeah, that's it. Nothing too terrible. So yeah, they're pretty kind of baseline. Hmm. Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> I think that RV's pack. Probably took the longest. Next week we'll be talking about um, uh, Winnie's pack and Jacqueline's pack. And uh, 
<laughs> we're going to be doing that next Tuesday. Uh, that would be the 9th, I think, right? Uh, maybe. No, the 8th. <laughs> next maybe. Tuesday, September 8th at uh, 9 o'clock p.m. Um, we'll be doing this again. We'll be checking out Jackal and um, Winnie's Packs. Uh, before we go, we just did want to take a second here uh, to let you guys know that we do have a Patreon. Uh, if you guys want to lend a hand, help support the cast, consider donating to our Patreon. It'll help us make keep making content. And uh, yeah, so with all that being said, if you guys, uh, if anybody had missed like the whole chat here, the whole Hangout sesh, uh, we're going to have this up on uh, as podcast format as well as on YouTube um, for next week. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Reddit, or wherever you guys catch our podcasts otherwise. Email us at comments at mur.fm. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, stay safe, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.